Do you realize we make up two-thirds of this population? And that if we would arise and unite, that we could influence this nation back to God. Do you realize that we have the power and the numbers that if we would unite, we could change and transfer the influence of Hollywood, of New York, or any other place, and we could be in Washington, D.C. But you know, you say, why should I pray? Listen, so many people complain, but there is no right to complain if you don't pray. If you complain, but you don't pray, you have no right complaining. And so many of us have our opinions, but we have no right to our opinions unless we travail. Travail in prayer and fasting and intercession that the course of this nation is going to end. We won't be having prayer here Tuesday night, but Thursday we're going to be having prayer here all day. At 11 o'clock, there's prayer from Washington, D.C. We will be broadcasting it here. If you, come, if you can be here at 11 o'clock, we will be broadcasting. It's going to be the president. It's going to be 50 congressmen from every state. All 50 states will be represented by their congressmen. And there's going to be believers and ministers from all over the world praying in intercession. But we will be filming it and we will be having intercession all day. And at night, we'll be showing the DVD again unless we record the one from California or unless we do something else Last night was the ending of Passover. We had been in Passover according to the Jewish calendar. Last night it ended. But there were prayer all day yesterday in, in Washington. And there's prayer going on right now. And there were prayer chains at every state capital of all 50 states yesterday. All day yesterday there was prayers going on. Yes. There was prayer at the Supreme Court. And one of our senators, a congressman, Trent Francis, in front of all the people, fell on his knees and he hollered out, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. And they are going to have the call in August 16th in Washington, D.C. In 2002, there was over 400,000 people who went and prayed 12 hours at the what they call the mall there in Washington, D.C. They're going to have it again. And anybody who can pray about going, and if a father goes and brings his son to represent the heart of the father, being united back to the son, the heart of our fathers reunited back to the sons, there's something awesome going to be happening this year. But not only is the prophet Lou Engel going to be uh, doing the call in Washington, D.C., he's also going to Brazil. But listen to this. There's also going to have La Revolution in France this year. He's going to France, and they're going to be fasting and praying. And the young people of France is crying out for a revolution. A revolution is going to happen in that country and that nation of France. I'm believing that the whole world is coming to a point where they're going to have to learn that they're going to fall upon their knees and they're going to cry out to Jesus Christ. You hear all the bad news on TV and the report of the ten negative, those who had an evil report. But I want you to know that it is on record that there are 24-hour, seven-a-day prayer networks in 150 universities across the United States. 150 universities have prayer 
12-7. You wonder why there have been shootings on the campuses? You wonder why there has been so many things happening upon the school? It's because the devil had allowed this country to take the Ten, ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions, but the Ten Commandments of God, the laws of God, which is able to keep our country. And so they took out, Thou shalt not kill. Out of our schools, the schools became a killing ground and a war ground. But America is humbling itself and praying and crying out again that the commandments of God be recognized as the commandments of the Lord of the universe and that murder will be taken out of our schools and out of our abortion clinics and out of this land in Jesus' name. A hundred and fifty universities praying united 24-7. I say that's why the devil knows there's great wrath. We, you're saying, I've never seen it more worse than this. Listen, there's never been more prayer than there is now. There's never been more emphasis on fasting. Even this year, the year started off on all the emphasis on fasting and prayer. Why? Because that's what it takes to turn a nation around. Oh, hallelujah, and we are a part of it. I want to encourage you to fast and pray Thursday. Young people, pray in your school. Even if there's no one for you to pray with, pray at your desk. Pray around the flag. Pray, go touch the principal's office and pray. Pray going down the aisles. Pray touching the lockers as you walk. Whatever you've got to do, pray in colleges and campuses. And let's make this Thursday be a memorial. Because listen, it only takes one spark to set a whole acreage on fire. How many of you know one spark in California consumed all the homes and consumed all the businesses of, of, of many, 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 many acres and miles? One spark. It only takes one spark. It only takes one man. It's proven in the Bible. One man, one woman to fast and pray and to move heaven, to move the heaven and break down the Philistine occultic spirit over this nation, out of our schools and out of our land, so that we'll be able to walk in the truth of the gospel. Look with me, please, in First Kings chapter 7. First Kings chapter 7. First Samuel, I'm sorry, First Samuel chapter 7. First Samuel chapter 7. Do you believe with me something's going to happen this Thursday? May 1st, the National Day of Prayer. Do you know when Abraham Lincoln called a day of fasting and prayer, it was right after that the Civil War ended with over 600,000 Americans dead upon the battlefields, but with fasting and prayer it ended? Do you know all through history, prayer and fasting has changed as nations? And listen, this is not the first time that America has been in a backslidden state. And listen... We're getting ready to read about my, one of my favorite heroes is the prophet Samuel. Samuel came out of a barren womb in a time where Israel was backslidden once again. The priest was having intercourse in the temples. They were eating the best of the offerings and there was no fear of God in the whole nation. It was in a chaos and then the enemy ended up even taking the ark, which was the representation of the presence of God within Israel. But even when it was in that backslidden state... There was a lady, one lady, Hannah, who kept travelling and praying to where the priest even judged her as drunk. The 
priest judged her as charismatic and fanatic. The priest judged her as drunk and lost her, losing her mind. But there was something on the inside of her that she was travelling. And she says, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And she didn't even know the full course of what God was getting ready to do. That this prophet was getting ready to come in a time where Israel was backslidden, where the priests were sleeping and there was no light in the presence of God, where everyone was doing their own thing and wickedness was abounding. And all of Israel was seeming to be under the covering and the uh, the control of the dominion of the Philistines. But in a time where there was total spiritual barrenness, God took a woman in natural barrenness, gave her the seat of a prophet. The prophet came forth and changed the course of a nation by standing and speaking the word of the Lord. One man! There was 400 years of silence when John the Baptist came from a barren womb and came forth and his voice was heard throughout the land. He came fasting and and, and and fasting and praying, if you call fasting grasshoppers a fast. But he came fasting and praying, repent, because the Messiah is coming. After 400 years of silence, when it seemed like it was the deadest time and the hardest time and the cruelest time, and it seemed like, once again, Israel was backslidden and there was no light in the land. But there came a voice crying from a wilderness. And he didn't look like much. But boy, he sounded like heaven. And he moved heaven and made the devils tremble. And he made the nations start coming back. And he prepared the way in such a way, through prayer and fasting and through speaking the word of the Lord and speaking an uncompromising word, even to king and backslidden adulterous queen, saying that if you don't repent, God is going to take a hold of you. And he wasn't afraid of man. And he wasn't afraid of the opinion of man. And he wasn't trying to be politically correct. He wasn't trying to dress correctly. He wasn't trying to sound correctly. He wasn't trying to live correctly. He didn't have to have the best neighborhood, the best house, the best chariot. He didn't have to have the best education. But he had the fire of God in his heart. And after 400 years, he was able to sound his voice like a trumpet. For the coming of the King and the Messiah. And when He came, He did say, Behold the Lamb. You didn't believe me, but you better believe Him. <laughs> Let God raise up voices in America. Raise up voices in America and the nations, O Lord, even from this hill to Capitol Hill. Let our voices ring out and let it move the heavens and let it tear down the strongholds and let revival come to our nation, O Lord. Reign in the midst of your enemies, O Lord. And it says in 1 Samuel 7, verse 2, And it came to pass while the ark abode with the enemy, that the time was long, for it was 20 years and all the house of Israel lamented. Another translation says that they wailed after the Lord. And Samuel spoke unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return, if you will return to the Lord with all of your hearts, then put away the strange God and Ashtoreth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him only. He will deliver you. Out of the hand of the Philistines. How many want to see the glory of the Lord? He's saying, return to me. Break down. Astra represents entertainment and addictions and strongholds. Break down the things that is causing this nation to bow to that which is idolatry, paganism, and not true to God. Verse 4. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Astra. And served the Lord only. 
And Samuel said, gather all of Israel. Gather. Say gather. That's what we're doing May 1st. Gathering. Gather all Israel to Mispah. And I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mispah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. We. Not the politics. Not my brother. We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. It was a gathering. Joel says, call a fast to call the people together. Verse 7. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, I want you to know, the devil knows when the church gathers together. We've been having such awesome services on Wednesdays as well as all the others. And this last Wednesday, getting up, it was time to preach on though the pure in heart shall see God. And the devil attacked in such a way, little girl broke her arm in missionettes and other things happened all at that night. And when you can expect this Thursday that the world, the media, the demons of hell is going to want to rise up. But guess what? Greater is he that's in the church than he that's in the world. And they gathered together to Mizpah, and the lords of the Philistines and principalities and powers went up against Israel. And all the children of Israel heard it, and they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry to the Lord our God for us, that He will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb, we have Jesus, and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And Samuel was offering up the burnt offering to the Offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on the day upon the Philistines and discomforted them, and they were, they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came unto Bethkar. And Samuel took a stone and set it before Mizpah and Shen and called the name of the Ebenezer, saying, Hereunto hath the Lord helped us. They helped us. And it goes on to say that the Philistines were subdued from then on. One man, say one man, one man, one man went and prayed on behalf of a backslidden, fallen, sinful nation. He went back to the covenant of the blood of a lamb. And it changed the course of a nation and it destroyed the power of the enemy. How many of you know it can happen again? They say when John was rescued from the Isle of Patmos, that he came, he was an old man, he moved back to Ephesus, and he was praying one day. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and told him to go into the temple of Diana. And it had already been cursed before, but he walked into the temple of Diana. And it says, and you can read this in Josephus and other books of theology, he walked up to the, in the temple of Diana, he walked up to the very altar itself, and he cursed it and rebuked it and commanded Diana, the false princes of hell, to fall. And as he turned around, it says in the history books that Diana fell face forward upon the altar and it was like an earthquake. And as John walked, the floor ripped open and the altar and the idols fell, broken to the ground. And when he walked out of the building, the temple fell and it became ruins. Why? Because a greater one said, this is not the territory of a devil or a principality or power or a wicked spirit, but there is power in the name of Jesus to uh, subdue and bring under and to bind the powers of the enemy in Jesus' name. Amen, church. One man moved heaven. 
Even though the Philistines were taking over the land, over the culture, even though they were, how many know there's the spirit of the Philistines in our school system trying to take over the studying of our kids. There's the spirit of the Philistine in Astros that is trying to take over our colleges. We read in the book of Joel that they, are, they were trading their sons for prostitutes and their daughters for wine. But in the midst of it, God, man called for fasting and prayer and it turned it around instead of sons being turned over to prostitutes. God turned it around and restored holy and revival to a land so that then the sons became the priests of the Most High God and arose as a mighty army to the Lord. Our sons and daughters may be being tried to be exchanged for this and exchanged for that. They may be perversion. They may be abuse. They may be all kind of different things going on in this land. And all the different things of the internet and TV and filth may be at its worst. But even at its worst, our God is still the God of the best. And it doesn't matter how much darkness that tries to overcome this nation. We believe that our God is the light of this nation. But we've got to gather and pray. We've got to gather and believe. And we can not remain silent no matter what you may even individually believe it's in God we trust not in you not in some preacher not in what some man says it is in God we trust and our God is able to bring a revival to this land still amen overthrow the authority look at me in Exodus chapter 33 Exodus 33 You just read Exodus and it shows you there's always hope. Exodus 33. Verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt. To the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send my angel. Listen to what he's saying now. I will send my angel and I will drive out the enemies. But look what he says in verse 3. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. You know what God told Moses? I'm sending my angel, but I'm not going with you anymore. If I go with you, I'm going to end up killing everyone. So I'm going back to heaven, and I'm sending my angel. Remember, it felt like, where is God? Is God really still with us? Is there still hope for this nation? God told one man, he says, I'm not going with you, I'm sending my angel. But look at verse 4. And when the people heard the, this bad news, they mourned. And no one put on his ornaments, for the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are stiff-necked people. I come up into your midst for one moment and consume you. Now therefore take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do to you. goes and say, verse 9. And it came to pass that when Moses entered to the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door in the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. In his house, they worshipped God. Verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And what did Moses tell him? Verse 15. If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us from here. <laughs> 
What good is what good is the promises if they don't have your presence? We can't speak without your presence. We can't believe without your presence. We can't trust without your presence. He was saying, forget the promised land. If you leave us alone, forget your promise to Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. We will not go. I don't even want an angel. If it's not you, do not lead us from this land. He spoke up to God. One man. And he goes on to say, For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? For we shall be separate, and your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. He knows people by name who pray. He knows you when you pray. And even though he says, I cannot look upon this anymore, when his people pray and say, we're not leaving here without you. We're not going to give up on revival. We're not going to give up on miracles, signs, and wonders. We're not going to give up from what comes from your presence and the favor from you. And he spoke to him face to face. How many of you know God is bringing you to a relationship? And you go on, you can go on and read that that's where he put them into a rock. Listen, there are some people here this morning, you are hiding in some type of rock behind some type of mask, behind some type of door. And you are saying, I would not want anybody here to know what I did last night or last week. I would not anyone want anyone to know what I am dabbling or what I am dealing with. But Moses was hid in a rock to show you and I that no matter where you are hiding, he still wants to pass by with his glory. And he still wants to show himself. And how did he reveal himself? Tender, loving kindness and mercy. No matter what rock you're trying to hide under. No matter what habit or addiction you may be practicing. Don't run and don't think that you ought to hide and say I'm unworthy and I'm not fit to even be spoken to, to be looked at. I'm so unworthy. I'm so unclean. But the Lord is saying, don't call unclean what I call clean. He knows your heart. He knows where you are. And you may be here today and you may be saying, I'm hiding. If people really knew what I was like. Lord is trying to say, it doesn't matter what you're hiding behind. I'm here to save you and rescue you. You hear me, church? You hear me? Hey, wake up, everybody. What you doing sleeping? Wake up. Wake up. I may be boring, but the word of the Lord is never boring. What are you doing sleeping in church? Wake up. I'm speaking about the future of your children and grandchildren in this country, and you're going to sleep on me? I don't think so. You want to sleep? There's other churches where they like people to sleep, just as long as you go. Not here. Not here. I'm talking about revival of this country. Don't tell me you didn't sleep last night. I didn't sleep last night either, because I was in revival in Washington, D.C. through the Internet. Don't say, I'm tired and, and it's so comfortable in here. Hey, it's comfortable at your home. Sleep when you get home. Most of y'all don't come back tonight anyway. But this morning, you're going to stay awake. 
I got some water. I'm going to throw some water on you. I'm talking about a holy God. I'm talking the holy word. The Lord told me to say that. So wake up and hear what he says. So you don't go from here saying, God never speaks to me. I didn't get nothing out of that service. There's a lot of people in hell saying the same thing. So, to continue on, since you love me. I'm running out of time. I want, I, I, I want, I want to end with just the last few minutes on can God change what seems to be already cursed. And I have been studying and seeking some stuff that I heard Dr. Peter Wagner, awesome, he's one of our coverings, great awesome apostle of God. He said this about God changing his mind. Everyone here knows God is sovereign. Brother Wagner said this, that has changed me forever. He said, God is so sovereign that He can limit His sovereignty. God is so sovereign that He can limit His own sovereignty. And you say, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at Joel chapter 2, and I'll bring you to a few scriptures in ending this morning. Not right now, in a few minutes. Now that you're awake, I can preach. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. It's too late. Look who's running for office. Look what they believe in. Look at the demonic things that are going on. It's too late, but listen what the Word of the Lord says. How many of you believe the Word of the Lord? In Joel chapter 2, verse 12, it says this. This is the message translation. But there also this. There's also this. It's not too late. God's personal message. Come back to me and really mean it. Come fasting and weeping. Sorry for your sins. Change your life. Not just your clothes. Come back to God, your God. And here's why. God is kind and merciful. Listen to this, church. He takes a deep breath and puts up with a lot. The most patient God, extravagant in love, always ready to conceal, to counsel a catastrophe. Who knows? Maybe he'll do it now. Maybe he'll do it now. 57, the now, the deliverance of the curse. Maybe he'll turn around and show pity. Maybe when all is said and done, there'll be blessings in full and robust from your God. Blow a ram's horn trumpet in Zion. Declare a day. Declare a day of repentance and a holy fast day. Call a public meeting. Verse 17, let them intercede. Have mercy. Oh God, have mercy upon your people. Don't abandon your heritage to contempt. Don't let the pagans take over and rule us and sneer. And where is this God Jehovah? Where is this Christ Jesus? Verse 18. 
And that God went into action to get his land back, to get our land back and take pity upon our people. God answered and spoke to his people. Listen, listen, I'll go ahead and send my gift, wine and oil. He says, I'll turn. God is a God, listen, even for you, God is a God who leans towards mercy. He leans towards mercy. He leans towards mercy. And when we talk about God's heart changing, since we don't have too much time, you can just write this down. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Just write this one down. Genesis chapter 6, 5 through 8. It says, God repented that He made man. And He says, I'm going to destroy all the men and all the animals. I'm going to destroy this earth. All men's thoughts are sinful and violent and iniquity. Their thoughts are continually wicked before me. I repent that I made man and I'm going to destroy them. But then verse 8 says, but he saw righteous Noah. And when he already said, I'm going to destroy them all, Noah found grace in his sight. And the God that does not change changed his mind. Chapter 22. Look at that. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Genesis 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. God is a God that does not change. Go and offer the son that you love. But what happened in verse 10? Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the sovereign God limited his sovereignty when he said, and called from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I. Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything for him. For now I know you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Look at Genesis chapter 22. I'm I'm sorry, Exodus. Exodus chapter 22. God changed his mind. Genesis 32 verse 14. Exodus, thank you. Keep me in order here. Exodus 32, verse 14. Exodus 32, verse 14. And the Lord relented from the disaster that He had spoken of bringing on His people. He what? Another translation says, He changed His mind on what He threatened to do to His people. Verse 30. The next day, Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord, and perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people have sinned a great sin. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, blot me out of your book that you have written. In other words, Moses said, If you're going to kill them, kill me too. Oh, no, Moses, you didn't sin. No, but I am one with my people like I am one with you. If you're going to kill my people, then you've got to kill me too. And God changed his mind and he did not kill the people. Look at 2 Kings chapter 20. 
2 Kings chapter 20. Second Kings chapter 20, verse 1. 2 Kings 20, verse 1. In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amaz, came to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. You shall die, you shall not recover. Word spoken by God. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed. Say prayed. Prayed to the Lord saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I've walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Verse 4. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. God had gave him the sentence of death and no recovery. Then when he prayed, God changed his mind. Look at the book of Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. Don't say it's too late for America. Don't say it's too late for Europe. It's never too late when people will humble themselves and pray. Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. Jonah began to go into the city, going day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. And the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and of his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way. And from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? God may turn and relent. And turn from his fierce anger. So that we may not perish. When God saw what they did. How they turned from their evil way, God changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. The sovereign God limited his sovereignty. He changed his mind of destroying Nineveh. Second Corinthians seven fourteen, you know it, that my people will pray humble themselves, and I will heal from heaven and heal their land. Amen. Look with me in Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. What can I do? Who am I? Ezekiel 22, verse 30. It's 
So I sought for a man or a woman among them who would make a wall. How many are ready to make a wall this week and forever? Or how many are ready to be part of the wall? Show the Lord you're willing to be a part of the wall and be a prayer warrior and an intercessor for this nation, for you, for your children. Raise your hands and let the Lord see as a witness. I am going to be part of the wall. I sought from among them a man or a woman. Not a perfect man, not a perfect woman, just one who's willing to stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. To stand in the gap before me as Moses did, as Jonah did, as that wicked king did, as uh, Elisha did before Hezekiah. To stand before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found, I found not one. Therefore, I have poured out my anger on them and I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. And I have recompensed their deeds on their heads, says the Lord. How many of you know we don't want the wrath of God on America? America still has the destination. We still have a purpose. God still has a plan. There is still something to be done in America. That's why there is so much call to prayer. And so many people are praying. You can even get onto prayer networks that are 24-7 in your, in your house. That there's prayer networks that we are joined to link to. That there is prayer 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. There is prayer and worship. And it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. Why? Because God is calling His people, His people to stand in the gap so that this land will not be destroyed, that we will continue to reach the nations, that we will continue to feed the orphan, that we will continue to reach out to the poor, that we will continue to reach out to the motherless. And it says in Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence and find grace to help in our time of need. How many of you know we are just not going to take what? Listen, you know how America changed when those twin towers fell. You know how so many young people, women, was joining the military when they saw the Twin Towers fall. They saw their airplanes fly into those towers and they fell and they saw the people jumping out of those towers as it was in flame and fire. And America stood up and they started writing songs about war. They started writing songs about getting back. And they started stirring up the courage and you started seeing flags all over the place. And you started hearing Americans talk about uh, being patriotic and people started going back to church for a day. And you saw all this happening in America because of the Twin Towers. Well, I want you to know, we don't need another Twin Towers. We need to see already what the devil has been doing to our nation, what the devil has been doing in our schools, what the devil has been doing in Hollywood, what the devil has been doing in our, in our judges and, and in the Supreme Court, what the devil has been doing across our land. That's enough to where we Christians ought to get stirred up just like the Americans got stirred up when they saw the towers fail. That devil, you have taken the the last of your victims, you have come against enough of what was standing, and we are going to stand up in the hedge, and we're going to call for the grace and the mercy of God, and we're going to pray a prayer. Listen, prayer that changes the atmosphere. How many of you know that when your wife calls you and she says, the boys have been fighting again and I can't stop them. And when daddy walks through the door, the atmosphere changes. And you hear the bell. The atmosphere changes. Well, these little prayers that we pray, we don't need a holler. 
We don't need to shout. We don't need to take time out and go to church. What difference is that going to make? Gathering of atmosphere changes. It takes things to change the atmosphere. When you pray wherever you are, we gather together to pray. There's an atmosphere change and a shaking going on in Washington, in California, and Oregon, and New York. John Adams wrote his wife saying, if you could hear the believers pray for Boston and Massachusetts. Every denomination, the pastors pray with fire. Every denomination, the pastors pray with fire. And they pray for the success of our army. Listen, church. The Baptists, the Methodists, the Catholics, the Nazarenes, different denominations are having movements within their denomination. The Baptists are getting huge amounts. The Methodists. Come together and pray. And they're getting, they call it passion. And Lou Ingalls getting 400,000. And the Baptists are getting 20,000 all over. And it's just growing and growing from every denomination. That instead of fighting each other, it's time to fight the terrorist spirits of hell. And if God hears us, instead of praying, Lord... Make my church grow. I want to be the biggest church. I want to be well known. Instead of God hearing those prayers and He hears pastors praying, Lord, it doesn't matter if it's my church or not. Save this city. Save this people. If I'm not known or recognized, it doesn't matter. But Lord, You must be known in our midst. And when I was able to go and lay hands on our new governor with, with Baptists and, and Catholics and Jews, rabbi, and other denominations, and we all gathered together and we laid hands and we presented them and the word was read over and over again out of the Holy Scriptures. And we were able to put this man into office and put hands on him and pray for him and bless him. And we continue to do so. It was denominations there. Denominations there praying for this new governor. Lord, you lift up. And he says, first of all, prayer should be made for those in leadership. And so as we pray, and as we continue to pray, and as this city and this region starts getting shaken to where it's not about what church or whose church or whose pastor or name or this and the other, just like our church does not have a name on the sign because there is not a name. I can get red, I can spit, I can run, I can preach, I can get T.D. Jakes, John Hagee, I can get the best of the preachers here, but Acts chapter 4 says there's only one name given among men whereby men can be saved. And it's the name of Jesus Christ. It's, it's not about what we don't agree in. We are praying for the salvation of this nation. It's not about, well, I believe this and you believe that. It's not about that. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. If I be lifted up. And I tell you, it's already been happening. We've already been on a fast for almost two weeks. It'll be 21 days Thursday. 
And I tell you, something's already happening. I know other churches are, are, are in fast. I know things are happening. And I know that this region is going to be changed for the glory of Jesus Christ. Miracles, signs, and wonders, and deliverance to the captives. Revival in the schools. Revival in Central and Pinecrest. And Father, we, as those men in the 1700s today, we pray for our soldiers. We ask you to give our army success. We ask you to cover them and bless them. And Lord, we know, Father, Lord God, there are those who are throwing rocks, even Casey, as he was having, helping in that a military funeral. And that woman on TV was throwing rocks and, and throwing things, and people were mocking our military, Lord. And here they are burying their comrade, and they're mocking and throwing things at him, and the signs. Lord, we arrest that spirit in Jesus' name. It's just not for the natural law to put them in place, but we come against that that unpatriotic love of this nation out of those people. We bind that hatred and that vengeance and that revenge. And Lord, we, pray, we ask You to encourage our precious men and women serving in uniform. We ask You to give them courage. We come against a high divorce rate and separation rate and, uh, and the, the, all the different things that are happening among a military, Lord, that we're hearing about every week, even from them. Lord, we just ask you to put a hedge and bring a revival among our military. Lord, we pray that as we come to seek you, May 1st, we pray that our military will receive strength and a shield and a standard. That you will protect and you will give our leaders guidance and wisdom. To war in the natural. As we stand our ground in war in the spirit. The powers of hell will break and fall down. In Jesus name. You can look on the National Day of Prayer website. It gives, it, it gives the name of the soldier. Daniel I believe it is. And his mom's name Kim. He had a New Testament that they gave him in the army. That he started wearing underneath his bulletproof vest. And a sniper's bullet went through the vest, but the Bible stopped the bullet. This was just in Iraq. It just happened not long ago. It's right here. Uh, a 20-year-old army, private first class, Brandon, from New York. And the Bible stopped the bullet. It happened in Vietnam. I heard stories that I was a kid from Vietnam. It's happening now with Iraq. And we believe as we pray, God will cover Chad and so many others of our Casey, so many of our young men and women, uh, this young sister who's, who's getting ready to go uh, pretty soon, this mother of two that's going to serve our country. We just believe for covering and protection and blessing as they stand over our nation. How many are ready to see the atmosphere changed? Yeah. Let's stand upon our feet.